bought some old PCs, ex-Mercantile International. With all the bits and pieces, they came with 90 used floppy disks. I reckon they must be worth something. That's blackmail, pure and simple. I can't put out a story that says that a major banker and its clients murdered this guy. That crucifies. These pricks are more paranoid than I am. You could kill somebody with this thing. Welcome to the Interzeta Film, a podcast about films with a New Zealand connection. I'm your co-host, Rajiv. And I'm your other co-host, Andy. And this is Season 3, Cliff Notes. This is the N to Z of film. With Andy and Rajiv. And we are back, or here. Uh, Welcome to Season 3, Episode 6 of the N to Z of film. Cliff Notes. Uh, this episode we're talking about the 2004 New Zealand film Spooked. It is a thriller loosely based on Ian Wishart's book The Paradise Conspiracy about the mysterious death of a New Zealander who happened upon international banking records after purchasing a used computer. Uh, this is the first New Zealand film that we are discussing in this season. I'm very glad that it's such a great film that we're discussing. <laughs> Well, I mean, you know, look, we've also previously talked about um, other Cliff. sort of New yeah, Zealand we films. You know, we like talked about Piano Whale Rider. And Whale Rider. And, and Once Warriors. Once Warriors, the, yes. The, the so. Piano. <laughs> well, he's in that. He's in it. He's a caricature of Maori character. Um, uh, so the cliff roll is uh, Mort Whitman, which means dead white man. Um, uh <laughs> He's, <laughs> which is weird. Um, he plays a very, very. Gr- <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> this is a strange choice. That is. Oh, there boy. are there are lots of crazy names in this film. I mean, yeah. Randy Fox and uh, uh, what's the politician's name? Winston Mo- Monty Monty Churchill Churchill, based on Winston Peters. Um, but uh, Cliff's role is um. Uh, his ethnicity is not specified, but because it's set in New Zealand, I'm assuming he's a Maori character, which is exciting. Um, he is a very, very grizzled, uh, chain-smoking um, television current affairs slash news reporter for some sort of. We've never we never actually shown an episode of the show he works for, but I guess it's no, like a current the, affairs so, show. Well, this like is a, one of my notes. They mentioned that he's a TV reporter at one point. I was like, what? He's a TV reporter? No, but he was just Rhea. a news reporter. He's no, the guy, on... he, the guy he hangs out with, Neil Rea, is like mentioned several times as being his cameraman. Could it just be his photographer, like Jimmy Olsen? <laughs> right, okay. No, he works in an office that's surrounded... <laughs> his, his office has like three TVs in it. <laughs> yeah, they have those in newsrooms. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's Like so. newspaper newsrooms. I'm pretty sure that the set is, um, is October, which went under, I think, because of these films i'm pretty sure it's a, a to film and television post-production house that i have friends that we used to work at that uh, right. which is where all the inter- i think even the banks are shot in that same office building i think anyway uh yeah so that's the cliff roll um very grizzled sort of he's kind of he's kind of world weary but also kind of naive at the same time which is weird um and he's a news reporter and he smokes a lot and he's got very smokes unsh- a lot, which which okay, I noted this because that's sort of meant to be set um, contemporaneously, right? It's meant to be. It was made like two thousand and four or so. There was no way you were smoking indoors in New Zealand in two thousand four. No, there's a scene where he where he's where they, he's in a bar and he lights up. I'm like, what? What's like, going no. on here? <laughs> like, <Nah. yeah. laughs> 
Yeah, we in New Zealand they stopped smoking um, in bars in two thousand one, I think, or two thousand. Was it two thousand actually? I think it was two thousand. Yeah, yeah, definitely yeah, way yeah, before yeah. two thousand and four. Yeah, so that was a weird anachronism. But that being said, I would argue that that is probably not the most anachronistic thing of the film. I would say that the film in general uh, is extremely out of touch and anachronistic. Which pains me to say this yeah. because I love Jeff Murphy. He's sort of a so, hero yeah, so of mine. <laughs> written this film, written and directed by Jeff Murphy, based on the, I think as I said in the, in the synopsis on the mm-hmm. Ian Wishart Paradise Conspiracy book, which was all about the wine box investigation, which was a big sort of. It was uh, yeah. the wine yeah. box is part of it, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Wine box um, for our many international listeners was sort of a big. What's the word I'm looking for? I need more coffee. It was a bit of a big thing in the early 90s in New Zealand. A whole bunch of politicians and such were a done scandal for of tax, tax evasion. Yeah, a bit, bit of a scandal. All tax, tax evasion um, and also private companies were involved with bribery of said politicians for political power. Yeah. Interestingly enough, uh, one of the previous islands I've lived on, the Cook Islands, was involved because they were something of a tax haven back then. That's right. Uh, even so, even even now, <laughs> even now, a little bit. I think they're more uh, of a trust jurisdiction, but you know, whatever. Uh, well, seeing as you've mentioned Ian Wishart twice now, um, I would like to mention that Ian Wishart was an investigative journalist who I think used to also be a TV journalist. I'm not entirely sure who wrote this book. Yeah, he's written he's written several books about various uh, investigative things in New Zealand. Um, so, do you think Cliff Cliff's Mort Whitman is sort of supposed to be Ian, Ian, Ian Wishart? Wishart? Maybe, but Ian Wishart doesn't die. I mean, spoilers, everyone, Mort Whitman is dead in the film. It's narrating yeah. from the grave. Um, but I'd like to note that Ian Wishart uh, is currently, uh, according to his Wikipedia page, uh, a strong uh, Anglican who um, believes in intelligent design. Yeah, I have noted here. Oh, Ian Wishart, who wrote the book, is a climate change denying conservative Christian. Oh, I didn't Hooray. notice there is a climate change denier. Oh, yeah. nice. Three hits. Conservative, <sighs> Christian, intelligent design, climate change denier. Oh, man, we've gotten political and religious. We're going to get hate mail. Bingo. <laughs> um, but I'd also like to note that, uh, so this is based on a, on a, on a guy who discovered some, some bad dodgy stuff on some discs he had in real life, and that's what they made the movie on. Uh, in real life, his he died under um, suspicious circumstances on the Auckland Harbour Bridge, which in New Zealand is like our version of the San Francisco Harbour Bridge. Like, it's a big bridge that goes across our harbour. It's a big thing. Like, whenever you have tourism videos that highlight the cities, Wellington has the Beehive, Auckland has the Sky Tower and the Harbour Bridge. Uh, it's a big bridge that goes across the harbour, and that would make a spectacular scene in a movie in which someone died off uh, in suspicious circumstances, I guess a car crash or something. Uh, in our film the car crash appears to happen on an off-ramp for a motorway that doesn't look nearly as exciting as the Harbour Bridge. I'm not sure why that was the case. Well, I imagine the Harbour Bridge would have been very expensive to use. Yeah, but we it's movie-making. What do you <laughs> mean? Just... Well, it's, it would have been crazy expensive to close the Harbour Bridge for however many nights they needed to do that stunt. That's true. You're absolutely right. But they could have faked so, it. Who knows? No, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't really matter to me. Or it could have been on the on-wrap for the Harbour Bridge so you could actually see the Harbour Bridge in the shot, which you didn't. Anyway, it's just, it was just like, I just felt like the big set piece crash, which was really cool. I liked the crash a lot, but it wasn't in an interesting location. Anyway, annoying. 
uh, just, like I was just thinking about this, this book seems more interesting than the movie, which usually, you know. So yeah, so we've we've jumped all the way to the end there, um, which is so, fine. We could do yeah, that. So, but it, okay. <laughs> so it starts off with Cliff narrating. It starts. He starts directly telling us to about camera. this guy directly mm. to camera. Start telling screen. us about this guy, Kevin Jones, who, for lack of any other better person, is the hero of this story. And then we is start he? learning about. Well, this is, I'm quoting the frickin' movie, all right? So, Kevin Jones is the hero of our story. But is he? I would say no. Because he dies, like, a good, like, what, 20, 30 minutes before the end of the movie? Yes. And then it's Cliff Curtis is then the main character. It's like, hang on, who? What? Why is Cliff's reporter not being the main character the whole time? But... He has been the main character because he's the one we've been seeing for the very start of the film. Except it's confused. He's not. We're following Kevin. Jo- Kevin Jones as a character is a bit of a dick. But we're not. Like throughout the film, it switches. Every now and then, we switch to Cliff doing an investigation on Kevin Jones, well, even and, and before so the end the of the movie. So it starts with this weird narration to camera, which is like, okay, is this a presentation or uh, something from the grave or? a weird uh, report on his TV show, whatever. And then it's Kevin Jones, and then it's going through that as it happens. And then it jumps to Cliff Curtis investigating what was happening after right. the fact. And then it That's jumps right. back in time, and then it sort of... and it, it, oh, it doesn't really make a lot of sense why that is done. That's right. Cl- Cliff's character starts off as a narrator, but then eventually is him... He is in the story. He's no longer a narrator. Then he's in the story yeah. as a character, and then he jumps back to being a narrator. It switches back and forth. It is a problem. It's very um, messy. <laughs> I guess is the best word to use. It's very yeah. <laughs> I think we talked about this before with Jeff. I think Jeff needs a script written by someone else. I don't necessarily think he's the best writer. I think he. I don't know why in two thousand four um, he was greenlit to write this film. I mean, Utu and um, the Quiet Earth is two arguably the two best New Zealand films. Uh, well, neither of them were written by him, so I really reckon it should have been written by someone else. <laughs> Sorry, Jeff. Uh, and then well, he could have directed was, it. Yeah, he was co-writer on um, on those films, though, wasn't he? Well, I mean, he's he's a director that's always going to have some sort of input. So yeah, I, I don't know. No, not not on the Quiet Earth. On the Quiet Earth, that was Sam Pillsbury all the way. He probably had some right. input. Um, but Utu, yeah, I guess. But it was main, that was mainly Keith Aberdeen. You know, he came he'd, he'd come off the the governor, so he had a good track record. Or was that the other round? I can't remember. Anyway, um, but I don't think. I mean, I still don't. I mean, Jeff Murphy, I love him. I think his films are great. I mean, Under Siege Two, I will go to my grave saying is a great is a great film. Um, also, The Quiet Earth, Never Say Die. I mean, he's one of my favorite filmmakers in re- that regards. Like, he's a New Zealander that did good. Uh, but this is not one of those films. This is a, very messy. It's messy. That's, yeah. It doesn't seem sort of all the way thought through in some bits. No, it doesn't at all. I mean, uh, I make, I, I note that it's very similar in style and ideas to Never Say Die, which you still haven't watched, even though, you know, I've, I've sung its praises from season one, episode one. Uh, and you the fact tell that me you, where I can get it in Guernsey, and I'll do so. You can so. get it on the VHS tape from the Great Ara Street video. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's weird because that, that film also suffers from the fact that it has a narrative that's quite meandering and doesn't go anywhere. That Never Say Die has very clearly has one main character, and that's Tim Morrison, but um, is strangely um, not is strangely 
it meanders so much, it becomes boring, even though it has a lot of explosions. It has a weirdness, a weird sort of stilted pace to it, uh, which is weird in the fact that this film that we're talking about came out in 2004 and surely should be more focused based on Jeff's ability to make movies in Hollywood, but seems more boring than Never Say Dying, <laughs> which is terrible. I feel bad about that. I feel so bad being so harsh in this film. It does come alive, though, in the action sequences. There is a fight in Kevin Jones's apartment, which I think is over the business where he was. He run his business out of his apartment. I'm not entirely sure how that works. But he has a fight with a bunch yeah. of dudes in masks, which is quite well done. I thought it was really cool, and they throw him down the stairs. And then there's um, his obviously his um, his crash, his car crash at the end, which is great, which has got no horrible comping. It's all real. They obviously yeah, rolled a car. I mean, it's, it's really good stunt work, which you typically find in Jeff movie films. You know, Which is good. He values that, yeah. and I appreciate that. But the stuff with, like... Okay, shall we get into the weirdness of the anachronistic stuff? So, where do we, st- where do we start? Um, First of all, 2004. So it is now 13 years ago. And it would have been made, you know, 2002, 2003. Yeah. My first note, and this might just be because I a, work in a bank and have worked in various banks and... B, my partner is a lawyer. I the legal ramifications of this of the digital privacy. So he gets all these computer discs, which would have been different in the early nineties than the early two thousands. I think that would have had different. Would be I starting mean, to be unless unless those discs have been sitting in a box for ten years somewhere, which is a possibility. <laughs> I guess. Well, that's the thing. The, the, it opens with him going to a junk store and buying all these old computers with the discs that have just come from the bank and they have recent transactions so they were using those well, it's not, the, uh, oh yeah you're banks, right there are recent transactions you're right you're right they, they were not banks that's right especially big banks that were involved in i don't know arms trade would not have been using outdated technology like that into the 2000s well i mean to be honest floppy disks did exist in 2004 but yeah they weren't being used as widely especially not by a bank <laughs> no. seems strange yeah so Kevin Jones gets these discs. He's like, all right, I'll have a look. Oh, you know, before I format them to give them away, because it's 2004 and people still want floppy discs for some reason. For some people. Um, computer hipsters. He has a look and then he discovers that they're banking records. So his and first they're encrypted, encrypted with PGP. Well, some of them are. Some of them are not. That's right. And some they just open, are. and he starts looking at them. Mm. And his very first instinct is to cash in. Yeah, he's a dick. <laughs> like, it's not even... doesn't even try to do, quote-unquote, the right thing. He only starts talking about exposing these bad guys Yeah. W- when things start going wrong for him, when the bank starts pressuring him, when the bank starts chasing him. Yeah, no, th- no, you're right. I mean, there's no, there's no reason at all to look at the once you figure out, oh shit, these are banking records. To look at the data on them, unless you're an asshole, well, or unless you have uh, suspicion that they were up to no good. But why would he? He's but, just the computer but guy. He, he had no suspicion that they were up to no good. No, yeah, no, it's just... not at that point. And I can kind of see like this feels like a very Jeff Murphy thing. Like it's the little man against the system. But in this mm. case doesn't really work because the little man is just wanting to cash in and the big scary bank isn't bad to start off with 
no they no... want they want their data back like it's just it doesn't yeah. work <laughs> like like i'm like yep i agree jeff yeah conda culture is good banks that are part of um supplying money to terrorists that's bad but like if you get a bunch of discs and you start looking at them and they're like oh shit this is information that belongs to the bank you should give that back to the bank <laughs> like yeah because well we all use banks and if my banking data fell into the hand of the hands of some jackass i would want that back yeah yeah they make it they make this big deal like they're looking they're like oh our client needs to know that we're safe i'm like yeah they do you fucked up we need to get back and yeah, they're not the they're hurts. not the bad guy it's really it's really weird because if i was making this film i'd have to have you'd have to have some contrivance in which kevin jones has access to this information without being or, an you asshole know, just or just even like a, a a thing at the start saying that this bank was under suspicion of right, right doing yeah. some some bad stuff but uh nothing could stick and then Kevin Jones gets these discs, and he's like, oh, I wonder if there's something on here. Yeah, that would be the very, very simple way of doing that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I would have invented some contrivance, like the, he accidentally opened something in some server or some shit. I don't know, whatever. But yeah, no, there, oh. needs, to be, there needs to be some reason for us to, to like him, and there's no reason except no. Or, for once he's in trouble and they start really going after him, then you're like, oh, shit, he's really being fucked over. But it takes a long time to get there. Yeah, but and then by that point it's like, well, I don't care because this guy was a dick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in terms of a, 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 you know, cinematic narrative, it's sort of. It is. It is a massive problem. Um, and then he ends up getting monitored by. It's never made entirely clear, but I'm pretty sure they identify themselves as the SAS, but they're really, which is New Zealand's um version of the FBI, uh, but they're really from the bank, or international I, interests. I, I, I don't know. I'm really confused. So this guy turns up and he says he's from the SAS, but is he? Or is he just a bad guy from the bank? Well, or... the movie the movie makes it think he's either from the banks or from international interests that are interested in the data, like maybe the CIA or terrorist organizations overseas. But it's never made explicit. And the guy never seems menacing to me. He just seems like a caricature, which is a problem. Bad car- he was a Matrix reject, is what I noted. Yeah. But like not a, cool, guy, not a cool one. Not a cool one. Matrix cosplayer. <laughs> like leather coat, dark glasses. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not cool. Um, Rabin Khan is the bank's um, <laughs> IT guy. For international audiences that may not know who Rabin Khan is, he is a, a local New Zealand comedian uh who's of asian descent so chinese people are good at it i guess is yeah that's what i've got noted down hey it's raven khan as token asian computer guy he's fine he's serviceable <laughs> in the role <laughs> he's fine there's just lots of things are like oh shit he's opened the access he's open access to the file i'll go talk to raven khan and walks into raven khan's office and they're like he's like looking at computer screens pgp conscription like lots of tech dialogue bullshit that's so annoying so annoying yeah someone on someone on someone on imdb noted that um pgp encryption is like really really easy to get around not that i know anything about that sort of stuff but reverend khan is all like oh it's tough it'll take a while to get around this and then they're all surprised that he gets around it so yeah whatever's (sighs) (laughs) 
Uh, Jeff Murphy himself and and Marita Mita and his another New Zealand filmmaker make an appearance as husband and wife, Fred, <laughs> credited, as, um, credited as Fred and Fred's wife. So Fred's wife doesn't get a name. Um, oh, oh, good. This is Fred. Cliff Curtis goes to talk to at a bar to find out some information. I'm not entirely sure what his deal is. He lived next door to the guy, the, the first IT specialist that Kevin Jones went to. Is that is that the deal? Right. Yeah. And then there's a van and he, they go and investigate the van. I don't know. Like, I don't know what the point of that scene was, actually. Well, can you explain this to me? So Chris Chris Hobbs, Kevin Jones's character is a is a computer guy, right? When he gets these discs, but then yeah. he takes the discs to him to his mate, right, to open yeah. up because he yeah. can't open them up. Is that the deal? It seems it seems to be okay. And then maybe the death... maybe Kevin is a hardware guy, and his mate right. is a software, software guy. guy. Could be, but he never I... he never comes. His mate gets freaked out. We never he never comes back into the movie again. But the reason why no. Jeff is there is he's talking about his Kevin Jones's mate being under surveillance. I guess for looking at the data, it's it just seems like a weird aside that doesn't really go anywhere. No, it doesn't really. <laughs> um, because that that whole van surveillance van thing comes into play with Kevin Jones himself anyway. So I'm just like, why do we need this other element of it? This seemed odd. Yeah, just all part of the weird messy nature of it it's not a good messy it's not a rambling rambunctious kind of messy with this sort of story i think you need it to be tighter yeah for sure for sure it's it's quite shaggy dog yeah. and sort of all over the place um uh also make note of i'm just because i don't really have much to say as far as thematics go i'm just making note of interesting things i noticed uh vincent ward uh is is, is part of the the board of directors of the bank uh famed new zealand uh, director vincent ward uh, famous for um, Vigil and um, um, actually we should the really Navigator just, the Navigator and we should really also the original script for Alien 3 with the Wooden Planet uh, the second script for Alien 3 that was but he still he's, he, apparently there's not much of his screenplay <laughs> left in the film but he still gets a story by credit which is interesting um, but we should really have discussed him in, in season 2 he's he's a guy that's gone overseas to make stuff Map of the Human Heart and then the, um, What Dreams May Come Ron Williams and he he came back and did um, River Queen which I think was being made at the same time as this film so I'm guessing that's why he is in this film this oh, both okay. films were just kind of just kind of around so but both films were done by Silver Screen so I think he might have been and around yeah Cliffs in both films so that's right and Cliffs in both films as well yeah, yeah. there we go so that was that was odd I remember the, watching it the first time thinking is that Vincent Wood <laughs> who I met one time by the way I got to meet or work with Kevin um, Vincent Ward one time so that's my personal connection to this film um, and I just noted that his performance is actually really poor <laughs> like it's very good I, I did not notice it at all whatever <laughs> there's a lot else going on I think the most important thing we need to mention um, is uh, Kelly Johnson uh, returns <laughs> to New Zealand screens for this film. Now, international viewers may not. That's right. He's the lead, the young fella from Goodbye Pork Pie. What's his character's name? Pork Pie. Pork Pie. <laughs> Pork Pie. <laughs> I don't know. That's what Kevin Barry calls him. But yeah, so he, I think he has actually acted in, like after Pork Pie, he was in a couple of other New Zealand films in the 80s and then didn't Where act in anything. Too? That's right, he's a new two. And then I think he went off, he, he's a lawyer now, I think, in the white mm. or something. Um, and then obviously his mate Jeff Murphy came back to New Zealand after being a Hollywood and was like, hey, Kelly Johnson, do you want to be in my film? And uh, got into being in his film. Uh, he's not particularly strong. He's very odd. He's a very odd character. He's weird. It's 
I found it to be, I thought it was like a very weird and interesting performance, but one that does not fit this film. But I would have to disagree with you there and say that um, because of the nature of this film, everything fits this film. Okay, sorry, so that does not fit what this film should have been. Been. He's very squirrel, like over the top squirrelly, squirrelly. Yeah, he has a, he has quite a and few weird scenes. There's actually, I it all becomes a little bit too cartoonish and gets like a whole lot of it is very over the top. Yes, agreed. From the Matrix reject SIS guy to Kelly Johnson's spook to oh god the cops who show up to toss they were real Kevin dicks. Jones's place. Are they There's cops? Were they cops? Were they actually cops or? Yes, they were. What? Yeah, because because the cops are in, at the at the court injunction, the cops are like had all the the cops had all the discs. Oh no, they lost one. Yeah, so they were actual cops. Yeah, except they don't like act like cops at all, and they, they call just... each other Mister, which I thought was weird for cops to do. Oh, they were just playing a game. They were fine. They were just dicks. They were being dick cops. They're both bad yeah. cops. Bad cop. Bad With cop. Very ill-fitting clothes. Well, everyone had ill-fitting clothes. It, it, it's almost like there was... I mean, it was the early 2000s, so there's ill-fitting clothes everywhere <laughs> in this movie. Lots yeah. of leather jackets. Uh, Cliff's character is wearing what I, I hate so much, is he's wearing a leather blazer. It's a terrible, <laughs> terrible leather jacket. A leather blazer. <laughs> Don't wear leather blazers. Just wear a leather jacket or a regular blazer. <laughs> Stupid. Um... <laughs> Um, poor jacket game from Cliff. Oh, poor man. jacket game. It's not his fault. He would have been. I mean, his his. We'll get. I'll get to him in a minute. I just wanted to get to just go back to Kelly Johnson. He has one good scene, and that is the final shot of him as he gets out of the van, at the very end, where it's revealed that he was the guy that killed, that was uh, contracted to kill Chris Hobbs's character on the motorway off ramp, and he ends up killing Cliff Car- Cliff Curtis's character. It's it's just one shot. He gets out of a van. He's been told to kill him, and he's like, "Thank you," and hangs up the phone. And the camera tracks into his face, and he looks up at the sky or his or the other guy, and he looks really creepy and weird. And he says, "This looks like it could be the end of a beautiful friendship." And I like that. That 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 scene right. was like one hundred percent positive for me. I was like, "This is good." I like this one thing in this film. I did not, because okay, so he's the one what killed our man Kev. Yes. And then he tells Cliff how how he did, how he did it. Yeah, because Cliff's so, like, "How does someone die in a crash like this?" And he's like, "Come to my my yeah, and then it, he car tells yard, him, I'll show you." <laughs> tells him how he done it, basically. And then so Cliff can expose who and who was Kelly was Kelly Johnson meant to be a SAS or was he a contract killer? Uh, no one knows. I mean, he does this oh, thing God. where he well, he does this thing where it's like Cliff is like, "Well, why would anyone like do a hard right turn off a bridge? It doesn't make any sense." And Kelly Johnson's character is a spook, who's I guess the movie's named after him. I'm not sure. Um, shows him this device, in which she's like, "Look, you can put this in a car, and it makes the wheel go crazy to the right or to the left, or whatever." And he's like, "Here it is." And then he tells a story about like the guys that installed it broke into the the car yard and stole it back and they also took the money while they're at it to cover their tracks i'm like what so do you how do you know this i was confused by all of that scene mm-hmm. I, didn't any, I didn't understand what was going on at all i was, I was fading by that point i think um 
but 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 more Whitman is all like, oh cool, here's this device. I'll go show him. Here's this big presentation to his boss, and I'm like, look, here's the device. This is what caused the car to crash. And I'm like, but that's not really evidence. That's just you showing up with like this thing can cause this thing to happen. It's not. That's not causal. <laughs> <laughs> strange strange choice um but what sorry also sorry just going back to that that car crash which was a great stunt Hmm. cliff finds out about it by reading on the online journal or something i think it's called yeah it was called the online journal yeah with the headline auckland man dies in car crash two exclamation points yes that's not a real headline Newspapers it, it, don't it do is, that. It is if you're writing for an online news site in 2004. If you're writing for the Daily Mail online, maybe. <laughs> but yeah, do you also want to make make the note that he then goes to the crime scene in which he's able to find a $10 Ten note? Bucks? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what is going on in that crime scene? Why have the police not done a sweep of it? Well, I guess it's not technically a crime scene. But they've just left shit all over the ground. Like, we, Yeah, they, like, didn't, they didn't really clean up. I mean, Whenever you have crashes on the motorway and stuff, and then you go there later on, you don't go there and like, oh, shit, there's bits of bumper and glass all over the floor. They take it all away. Oh, sweet, ten bucks. <laughs> <laughs> that was odd. But it does give another... Maybe, maybe the car, because the car actually kind of crashed onto the road beneath, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay, but all of that stuff was under the, the, bridge. the motorway above. Yeah, right. so maybe the cops just like swept it under. I'm like that's good enough. Oh, I see. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. Yeah, that, that might that might have happened. It Whatever. does give us. It does give one. It does give us a great moment with Cliff. It's quite a yeah. long shot, but he's quite cool in that shot. He's sort of looking back and forth, and it's yeah. I mean, it's a very cool moment. He picks up the tenner and he's like, ooh. Sons of bitches, or whatever, and throws the ten dollars away. It's like, ah, yeah, so it's he's, a he's, cool moment. He screws it up and throws it away. I think it, it don't really make it, sense. I think it holds a little bit too long at the end. He's looking at the camera, but it's fine. He, he's he's good. He's trying his best. I, that was my notes throughout the movie. I'm like, man, Cliff is trying. He's, you know, and I reckon he would have signed on because I'm like, oh, Jeff Murphy's making the film. Oh, sign mm. on, I'll be in that. You know, and I don't know whether he. he I haven't heard. I tried to find comment from him, but he's probably too polite to say he didn't like it. Who knows? He might like it. I don't know. Uh, it's well, I mean, it's, it's like what we were saying last episode. Like, there's sort of not really a bad Cliff Curtis performance. Like, it's always a good. Like, and I think he's doing as as sort of as much as he can with the material here. Yeah, he's doing as much as he can. I mean, there's there's a scene there's a scene where he he has a big meeting with his his boss guy with his camera guy. And that's probably the most actory moment in the whole film. They end up, his boss ends up yelling at him. Peter Elliot, this is a good actor. Uh, his character and he slams se- the desk several times. Yeah, uh, Peter Elliot's character is slam. Peter Peter Elliot's character is, is called. Uh, wait for it, Randy Fox. That's the name of his <laughs> boss. <laughs> I love it. I love the character names. Um, <sighs> Yeah, and then he ends up lighting a cigarette and gets all paranoidy and stuff, which is which is good. I mean, he ends up accusing his boss of being in collusion with whatever the system, whoever it is, the banks, terrorists, whatever it is. <laughs> oh, and Kef has a really good, uh, you know, after he's he he he's found the missing disc with the super sensitive information that's all about the bad things the bank did because they're bad guys because they're a bank. That's um, right. 
he's somehow managed to put that into his computer in 2004. And then does he literally click on a button that says spam? And he spams it did, everyone? It says spam filter or spam something something. Yeah, spam something. Yeah, it has the word spam in it. And then... I don't and then know it sends what, it sends all of that data to everyone. Everyone. I don't know why he clicks it. it it's very confusing. But yeah, and actually, when that happened, I was like, "What? What happened there?" But then he, in one of his many, many narrations, he explained what happened, and I was like, "Oh, okay, cool." He's sent out the information. To sent everyone. it to everyone by literally yeah. pressing a button that says "spam." Anyway, he then goes out to the parking garage and has a pretty interesting moment with checking his car and getting into his car and very worried that it's going to explode or something like that so yeah that's pretty was, cool it is quite cool but but also if i was that paranoid i would just take a taxi like he does yeah, so say, many I'm things walk he, tonight like, yeah he, he presses the, the the car alarm button and it opens up and then he checks under all the things and then he like gingerly opens the car door i'm guessing every time he does one of these things he's expected the car to blow up he's either very brave or very stupid and then he turns the ignition he does all those things and he's like oh phew my car didn't explode i'm like what what would you do if your car did explode you'd just be <laughs> dead right <laughs> Should have taken so, a cab. Should have taken a cab. Yeah, exactly. We haven't talked about the most important part of the film. God, what are you going to say? <laughs> For viewers that may not have seen Cliff Curtis, um, Jeff Murphy made a film called The Quiet Earth in 1986, New Zealand, which is a great science fiction film uh, about the last people on Earth um, after a scientific experiment. Bruno Lawrence, I forgot the woman's name, I'm sorry, and Pete Smith. A Maori actor. Pete Smith is in this film. Pete Smith is plays the ca- the guy who is driving the truck at the end of the movie huh. that smashes <laughs> into the car of Kevin Jones right at the end. He freaks out and gets out and is like, "Oh shit, what happened?" Pete Smith in this film is sporting a huge afro. Oh, it's massive! It's amazing! It's luxurious. Huge freaking afro, and I'm like. That is a strange choice, Jeff Murphy. I applaud you for it. Uh, not Do you only think that does... was a Jeff Murphy choice, or did he just rock up on set like that? What, what, either or, um, Jeff was like, yep, yeah, cool. They could have cut it. That's a movie. They could have made him cut his hair, but he was all like, yeah, either or. If he rocked up with it, whatever that happened, Jeff was like, this is cool. Um, it's in the film. Uh, another woman gets out of the car. Alison Rutledge, sorry, that's the actress's name, but she's not in this film. But then another character um, gets out to inspect the crash. Uh, but instead of being all like, oh shit, what's happened to Kevin Jones? She spends the entire, she's only in it for a few seconds, but her entire scene, she's looking at the afro. <laughs> she's she? Like, yeah. Yeah, she looks at Kevin Jones briefly, and Kevin Jones is all there, bloodied up. But then she turns almost immediately to just stare at Pete Which I thought was great, because I would too. I'd be like, man, that's a lot of hair. Holy uh, crap, some dick. Oh, my God, look at that, bro. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. So um, most important element of the film. So the, that scene and Spook getting out of the van um, make this film five stars out of five stars for me. No, oh. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I think that'll lead nicely into our uh, regular feature here on the um, Entity of the Film Cliff Notes. Cliff's hair, not so luxurious. He's got, uh, he's got a film, little... Unfortunately, it's very close-cropped. It is close-cropped, but he's got um, quite a lot of beard going on. But I was going to say, his beard game, 
on point at times. Again, it comes and goes. It's messy. It's a messy. Sometimes, bit. yeah. Sometimes it's just like the five o'clock shadow sort of. Well, not even five o'clock shadow, but a couple of days worth of growth. Mm. And then other times it looks like, oh, he's getting a full beard on. Yeah, yeah. I mean that that that. Uh, I wonder if because he had a beard in River Queen too. I don't know how what the overlap is here, but but also I just <laughs> think it's supposed to be cliched, super grizzly reporter guy, right? He's a it's reporter weird. with scraggly facial hair and smokes a lot. Which is weird because he's he's a TV reporter, so he's going to be on screen. And usually, when people are on screen, they're not all scraggly like that. It's weird. I don't quite understand. Anyway, strange game. Um, I want to make note of the fact that he's wearing this weird grey suit at the start. I mean, it becomes kind of clear that as it goes, that like I think he's dead, and think this is a weird afterlife thing. Why? Why is his suit grey and pinstriped, and why has he got a weird sort of stripy tie or a sort of patterned grey tie and a white shirt? Why isn't he just all in white? I would have liked. I don't know, Reggie. Why? Why anything? Um, but it, if he is the if it is the afterlife, has he chosen his strangely weirdly conservative suit? Because if I'm in heaven, I'm like just put me in a cool white suit or a black suit or a, not this weird grey. Because in 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 his regular life, he wears that horrible leather jacket and regular shirts, and yet in the afterlife, I'm guessing you can wear whatever you want. He goes conservative grey pinstripe. Strange choice. Strange choice. I don't know. So it was fine. It was not the most egregious. I disagree. I found Pace it extre- extremely egregious. And I'm not, I'm not even joking. I'm like, that is, a str- that is a weird choice for the afterlife. I don't get it. I don't understand it. All these things matter in filmmaking, right? Strange. I don't know. Do they? Does anything matter? <laughs> Why are we here? R- Russell Bailey <laughs> in the New Zealand Herald at the time called um, Cliff's weird green screen narrations to camera an intrusive visual gimmick and curious proof that if a film has a good story, it tells itself. Spooked hasn't got one. Harsh, but possibly That's very harsh. There's an interesting kernel there of, you know, this guy getting these computer disks um, from the bank mistakenly, and then what happens from there? And then being a dick. (laughs) But, well, just just even just that, but then it's not... Like, so it's taking from this actual event in 1992 where a a guy got these computer disks from a bank and then died in a mysterious car crash. Which is an interesting story. It's a really interesting story. (laughs) And then the wine box inquiry. And I don't know if those two things are actually related in real life or not. I don't think they are. No. Well, they but yeah, they've been like kind of jammed together in this film. I don't know if it's also they've been jammed together in the book or not. Were they? Was the wine box part of this at all? In any way, shape, or form? I missed that. Do you mean like this film? Yes. Well, it's based on the book that came out from the wine box investigation stuff by Ian Wishart. Yeah, but Paradise, the Paradise Conspiracy, I don't know where those two things would link, but within the realms of this film, the only thing that links it to the wine box in any way is the one, like a literally a one-shot character of Mon- Monty Churchill. Monty but even Churchill, then, who? His wisdom Peters, but no one, no one talks about a wine box in any way, shape, or form in the realms of well, this no, movie. No, not a wine box, but it's that taking that idea of banks being up to naughty things and then talking to a MP, and it's, again, Paradise Conspiracy is from the wine box investigation. Yeah, so it's it's, not, this it's is not, why I say it's it's mashing those two things together. 
In a way, I mean, I, the Monty, the Monty Churchill thing is such a throwaway. Like, was it his mate is like, tell, tell Monty Churchill about it, and he was like, Monty Churchill, and, and I spent the whole movie going, who the hell is Monty Churchill? What's he got to do with anything? Yeah, What's going on? Me here? too. This is the thing. So I think this <laughs> happens a couple of times in the film is that the characters talk about someone or something like Monty Churchill or Zeus Incorporated or, or who the frick ever. And they sort of know who they're talking about, but we as the audience have no freaking idea. I have I no idea the... who Monty Churchill is or supposed to be. I have no idea who Zeus Incorporated is supposed to be. I no, thought Monty the... Churchill was meant to be some sort of crusading MP fighting the big banks or something. Yeah, me too. And I'm, well, I don't know whether he isn't that. He might well be there, but it's not in the movie. I have um, no idea. <laughs> um, but Z- at the very least, Zeus Incorporated is explained um, ad nauseum by um, John Lee's character as being like this. <sighs> well, also, Quite also late by, in the game. Yeah, but also by Cliff Curtis as well, because he like, I did a story on that. No one was interested, blah, 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 and they sort of talk yeah. about it. No one yeah, even talks about like what a... Monty Beetham is. Monty Beetham. Monty Churchill is. But I mean, like, I still, like I still don't into the film. Yeah, but I know yeah. what Zeus Incorporated is. I still don't know. I mean, By the end of the film. Yeah, no, I agree. It's weird. But I, even right now, I don't know who Monty Churchill is. I don't know no. who Monty Churchill is. I have no idea. Monty Churchill is a dude in the back of a car. <laughs> I think his line is like, very interesting. Call me soon. And that's kind of, mm, that's it. Very interesting. We'll talk next week or something. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know who he is. <laughs> so... Maybe, maybe it's the white box inquiry, but it's not in the film, so I don't no, know. No, I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? Russell Bailey also says that this is a throwback to an early information age thriller, and I'm guessing he's thinking of things like The Net or perhaps Tom Clancy's mm-hmm. Net Force starring Scott Bakula, 1996. I was, yeah, I was uh, very much thinking, oh, this is New Zealand's The Net, like <laughs> 10 years after The Net came out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then he says, or even to an earlier time when many unloved and unremembered New Zealand movies owed their existence to a tax break. Spooky. Ooh. Spooky, he ends his review with. Very harsh, Russell Bailey, but I think I might agree, sadly. Okay, I think yeah. I'm running out, I've run out of things to say about this movie. No, I've, I've, I don't want to. I'm done. Whatever. It was a film, and it happened, and there were things, and there were many problems. Mm. And I mean, I feel I feel bad because it's it's Jeff. It's Jeff, and I don't know how much money they or time they had to to make it. Like, was Cliff sort of popping in and out of the narrative because he was sort of literally popping in and out of the schedule? Who knows? We don't know. But it shouldn't be a reason for the film to not be good. Just be better. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Wrap it up. I'm going to give the film. Um, there were two elements I liked, so I'm going to give it two, which is it's just scraping in on two. Just barely a two out of five clips. Uh, Cliff, Cliff, because he was so he smoked so many cigarettes, it was so grizzled. I'm going to so give many. him four because of effort. <laughs> <laughs> four clips out of five. All right, I'm going to give it a cliff and a half for film. <laughs> and ah, uh, man, it's a tough cliff roll because yeah, uh, I'll give a three clips out of out of five cliffs. <laughs> Three, three and four. It combined yeah. the three and a half cliffs out of cliff. There we cliffs. go. The official right. cliff rating. All right. Uh, we don't know what the next episode is going to be, but uh, you can find me on the Twitter at R-A-J-E-E-V-F-I-L-M. That's Rajiv Film. And I'm also on Letterboxd. And you can find our podcast at NTZOF. Yes. And then, I don't know, you can yell at me on the Twitter or look at doodles of mine on Instagram or follow 
film things on the letterbox uh, at andyjames underscore inc. With a K. Uh, big shout-outs to Jeremy Vielle, our audio engineer. We should really thank him every week because he is amazing. Uh, please rate and review. We're on iTunes and we're on Blueberry and we're on Stitcher and we're on SoundCloud. We're on all those things. Yes. Please, you want to please, listen to us. please do. That that helps us immensely. If you can just just give us a quick star rating. That's right. Click on the stars. We'll just click on the it. stars. We'd love you for it. Just yeah. anything like that would be great. Tell thank your you. friends. Tell your family. Tell Cliff. And we'll be back in a couple of weeks with episode seven. Oh, crikey. All right. Talk to you all then.